Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And always, my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? I'm having a good day, Lance. We're uh, we're ready to go here. I hope you guys are as well. This is going to be a great show. Lance is hungover. I am not. We're feeling good. At least one of us is. Well, I, well yeah, I'm kind of there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we got to power through. The North Side Steel Curtain Way. And before we jump into uh, the program, big up to my guy, Corey Hatcher. Big up to Steelers Freak, who just jumped on as well. Uh, before we jump into the program, not on, on, on a bit of a somber note, of course, we all know uh, what went on in Texas this week. So uh, the New Standard wants to send our thoughts and prayers to anyone suffering, um, the families especially, and, and to that community. And, uh, you know, the one thing I can only say is just simply this is, uh, you know, kids ain't supposed to die at school. I mean, you know, as a country, we've got to figure this out. Um, you know, this is a tragedy. There comes a point in time where enough is enough. And I hope we have reached it as a country. Uh, so, again, thoughts and prayers out to the community in Texas and to anyone else out there who is uh, suffering and who has been a victim to uh, gun violence in some way, shape or fashion. Um, the other thing I want to do is give a big birthday shout out to my nephew, uh, Harrison Eugene Brown, turned 16. Boys like 6263 dwarfs over me so it's hilarious uh seeing him go from literally uh from the crib to six two and so uh again happy birthday to my nephew harrison eugene brown and before we jump in the program i also want to remind you if you want to enjoy the live experience go to youtube and, and do a search for the new standard and lance williams or neil kulong also the show is available via podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of your podcast feeders and do a search for the new standard. I must I, I need to do the show kind of hungover always because my intro was pretty crispy this week. I, I'm going to pop my own collar. My my, you know, my intro is pretty crisp. Also, the title of this show, obviously, because of the big news being the hiring of Omar Khan is the wrath of Khan. That's about the only thing I could think of to, to, to kind of have a play on the title with his name. I was trying to think of contastic um, and different things, but I just came up with the wrath of Khan. And so the big news obviously is his hiring. Uh, so let's jump right into it, Neil. Uh, and let me just detail the transactions, not maybe not transactions, but the hirings in the front office that went on over the course of the week. Omar Khan, of course, was hired as GM. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm pronouncing the last name incorrectly. Andy Weedle was Weidel. hired. Weedle. Weedle. Weedle was hired from um, the Philadelphia Eagles to be the assistant GM. Sheldon White will be the director of pro scouting. And Dan Colbert. Dan Colbert's son um, will be the director of college scouting. First question I want to throw to you, Neil, is why Omar Khan? I think a lot of us are familiar with him, but if you want to um, give us a little bit of his background, please do that. But why Omar Khan? They interviewed about 20,000 people. Why did Omar Khan get the GM position for the Steelers? Yeah, I was starting to get excited. I wasn't sure if they were running out of candidates to talk to. Maybe I was going to be on a list at, at some point, but um, obviously that did not happen. Uh, why Omar Khan? I think Omar Khan represents, I, I hate to be dramatic like this, but a, a fairly fundamental shift in how the Steelers are looking to organize their football operations. And the reason I say that is Colbert was a, a definitely a step in that evolutionary direction um, for the, the older fans among us, you might remember there was a time in which a Rooney was the only recognized general manager within the Steelers organization's history. Uh, first art, then Dan, who was pulling the strings at uh, the 1970s um, uh, uh, transformation of the franchise, probably more Dan than art. Dan as Dan held that official role and unofficial role for decades beyond that. 
the Steelers had player personnel directors, which was at that point um, akin to a general manager, just without the title. It was the same kind of duties and responsibilities. Really, it, it got to a point where within the NFL, um, they wanted to standardize the positions for uh, everybody in a way to kind of help curtail uh, hirings, promotions, things like that to, to give teams you know an opportunity to match all of that type of stuff. The Steelers um, were a part of that in 2010 when they named Kevin Colbert uh, the general manager. Omar Khan now becomes the first hired general manager in Steelers history. This is the first guy who did not already have that position and the name itself just be changed uh, as far as, as uh, the direction of their job goes. That's important because what it is is understated to that is the combination. So the concert of the first hired general manager, along with the first titled assistant general manager, which is what Weidel is going to do. What that represents uh, for the team, and this is where Omar Khan is important, they are looking to have the general management done from, uh, uh, I don't want to say business perspective, but Khan's background with the Steelers has always been uh, contracts, negotiation, cap stuff, things of that sort. Let me, let me pause you real quick, Neil. Let me throw in this to that point, something that Aditi said. She says that although Khan has the GM title, he will be on the business side and Weidel, uh, or excuse me, Weedle and White will handle personnel. I don't think that is I, I'm not trying to to besmirch the information passed by by reporters but from a business perspective one of those can't be the GM the GM is in charge of everything you don't hire a general manager to work in a silo that is essentially the same thing as football guys working in another silo it has to answer. It, it has to come down to somebody, and that's Khan. To suggest that he's not going to be involved with the business stuff is equally silly. The way an organizational structure works is it, it things funnel from the top down. Okay, it, it has to go up to one person. I understand that Art Rooney is the owner of the team. Mike Tomlin is the head coach of the team. You can make the argument that, you know, it, one thing Aditi is not pointing out in there is what Tomlin's role is. And Tomlin is absolutely not only the head coach, okay? It's been with right. the team for way too long. Um, Khan is the guy who organizes the philosophy. He's the guy who sets the vision. And all of that is per Rooney. He holds Weidel, White, those guys accountable to the things that they need to do on the football side. That does not mean that Omar Khan is in breaking down film to decide specifically what running back they want to draft in the fifth round. General manager doesn't do that anyway. They organize the work of the people who do that at the ground level. Okay. Kevin Colbert has a scouting background. Steelers general managers have always had something of a scouting background. It's not that Khan didn't scout. He did. He started off as a scout. He got into the business side of things in the end. And this is what the fundamental shift is, Lance. They are hiring a manager. They are right. hiring a leader. It is not about the tasks themselves. And there are way too many people that, that don't seem to understand this. You, a general manager does not just work on something and hang out. They're responsible for everything. You wouldn't need a general manager. You, you, there's no point in giving him a title if he doesn't oversee that. Those guys report to him. They do not report to Mike Tomlin. Here's why I know that. And again, I'm not trying to bash Aditi. I, I don't think that that information is, is complete. It's not total enough for it to, to reflect really what's going on. <clears throat> Weidel was most likely hired either at Khan's recommendation, if not desire, or with at least his sign off Rooney did not hire two people and force them to, to work together. You don't do that at that level. They have to have their people if they want to succeed. 
on top of that, Absolutely. what does that mean for Brandon Hunt, the guy that they they gave two interviews to? What that would be if if Rooney said, Con, we're going to hire you. And by the way, we really like Weidel. We're going to bring him in as well. What that means is a big F you to Brandon Hunt. Did that happen? No, I, there's no way that happened. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Khan is responsible for all of it. If he is going to have more of a hands-on approach to the business side of things, which in, in our parlance is caps, contracts, negotiations, all that stuff, makes sense. He's done it. He's been the guy doing it. it at the least, he's going to have to train whoever would handle the, the boots on the ground day-to-day versions of that. He he can do that. But to suggest somebody else works in their own silo with the football stuff independent of Khan is just stupid. There's no way that that's what happened. So that that's my useless two cents on it. Khan's the general manager. They hire him to be the head of all of it. That's what the general manager does. They 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 aren't independent of each other. That's that's really the best that I can say it. I love what Corey Hatcher wrote here. Leaders hire experts and then listen to the advice from them in order to make effective decisions. And I think that's spot on. You know, as a GM, you're essentially you're kind of the overseer of the or operation. And you need help and you need assistance. But I think you're spot on, Neil, when you're talking about providing the vision and the overall plan. And at that level, you're not bringing in disparate pieces and putting them together and then saying, let's work together and let's try to make this happen. Uh, Speak to this real quick, this quote, because I know there's some questions in terms of by retaining Khan or hiring Khan as the GM, is it, are they hiring continuity? Are they hiring a little bit of change and continuity? Um, is it more of the same? Um, I thought Steelers Freak um, asked a, a good question here, and I'll post it here, and I'll get to this. Um, but but listen to this quote from Omar Khan. There's not going to be a lot of change here. I obviously have some ideas, but I don't see a lot of change. What does that mean? Um for, for fans, when fans hear that, what does that mean? And, you know, given the Steelers' performance, of course, in Steeler Nation is Super Bowl or bust. If you're not winning a Super Bowl every single year, of course, you're not having success. Are the Steelers at a place where continuity is even something that they should be striving for? Or I'm not going to say radical change or, you know, like, what should be the expectations? What should fans be thinking when they hear there's not going to be a lot of change here? I obviously have some some ideas, but there's not going to be much different. One of the most relative and open-ended words in our language is change. What Omar Khan refers to as change in a press conference could mean roughly a trillion different things. He's not changing the coffee that they serve. He's not going to change the practice times. There, there are myriad things that that could specifically pertain to. I think what he's speaking about, though, is a 10,000-foot level view of the organization. What he's going to say is, we're not just going to fire our head coach. We are not going to radically depart from everything that we have already planned to do. Because keep in mind, this is the most operative thing to me. They kept Colbert on through the entire draft. Now, Khan was there, but I think it's reasonable to say um, he was not serving as the, the de facto general manager throughout all of this. I don't, they legit did not know who they were going to hire at that point. I don't think anyway. Very well could have, but. He wasn't acting in that role. So he was not in in an unofficial capacity, the general manager. What that means overall is we have things a certain way. We're going to continue down this path. Now, if you want to be literal and immediate about it, I I don't think his plan is to continue to go 500 or, or right around 500 every year. That's not a plan. That's a result. Okay. His plan, his background is to continue moving with the trends of the NFL, because that's what a good leader would do. 
you do not need to throw out the baby with the bathwater when you take over a new job. You don't need to blow the whole thing up. You don't need to bring everything back to formula and start over. You have to take what's good. You have to eliminate what's bad and you have to move forward as best you can. We can, it, it, it's the knee jerk reaction of everybody. Anytime somebody comes in, that can add two plus two in a successful manner. We're going to dive into analytics. You have no idea how much of that stuff they already do. I know for a fact, because I happened to see it, and I wasn't supposed to because I got yelled at by, by the PR staff when I was there. They have guys hooked up to um, biochemistry, biorhythmic machines to, to get a sense of, of how hard they're exerting themselves. That type of stuff is used at, at that was six, seven years ago. That technology is used at, at low-level colleges now to, to determine practice plans. Those types of things are heavily analytical, okay? They use that stuff. It's not a question of that. And I promise you they're not hinging their decision on whether or not to, to hire pro football focus to provide them with stuff. It, there's, there, analytics is such a broad field. It, they use a lot of that already. Every team does to some degree. They might use different things. They might use other things. What we know today is Omar Khan, and in my opinion, and Corey seems well-versed on this topic. Let's see if he agrees with me. Any good leader is going to survey what is in front of him or her and see how to make it better, not launch this grand, elaborate plan of massive change and massive overhaul. It's just not tenable. You can't do things like that when... Basically, it, you can't change the car tire while it's moving, okay? It, it, in order to do that, you need to know everything about what's going on, and that's really where Khan is. He's experienced. He knows the building. He knows the people. But we have to see what the organization is going to be when he is the one in the chair. It's a, it's a different thing. It's, it's a totally different experience. And Khan has the experience. He has the internal knowledge. He has a great mix of everything. I said from the beginning, I think Khan is the best candidate I heard Hunt, Lance, I know that you heard Doug Whaley. I don't think that they knew who they wanted right away. But Khan, to me, always made the most sense. And I, I think that's a good thing. He's a business guy. He has football experience. But more than anything, he can evaluate who knows the football stuff, up to and including Mike Tomlin, to make those kinds of decisions. That's what a leader does, okay? A leader is, is not sitting around like a Twitter dork watching film on 500 players and deciding who to draft. That's not what a general manager does. Khan has a, a, a good sense of how all the pieces fit together. That's how you enact reasonable change, meaningful change, okay? Not change for the sake of change. I, I think Khan's in a great position to do that. And I think Corey's on fire. I think Corey agreed with you and he said facts, not to mention he's been there, so he's familiar with how things work. You, and, you can't undervalue that either. You yes. can't say that the brand new guy, not to, to you know downplay the, the value of other people, but the guy that doesn't know anybody in the building walking into it is at a, 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 a short-term disadvantage just in getting up to speed with everything. Khan knows how that operation works. Khan knows the cafeteria workers. He knows all of the scouts. He knows everybody already. You already have that that personal touch, and that there's a huge amount of value in that as far as the leadership goes. And let me add another thing to, to to what Corey was saying. He also followed up, and when you're the guy, you now have the chance to implement your own ideas. Here's the thing, and we'll jump into that next. Here's the thing: when you hire someone from within, first of all, I don't think the Steelers. I think you're right. The Steelers did not know who they wanted to hire, and they opened up the process because of that. Omar Khan represents their investment in him, which has been a 20-year investment in him. This investment that they have put into him is being paid back, hopefully in spades. But this is an investment that they've poured into him. So when they turn over the franchise to someone else and someone new other than Colbert, which is at a point for the Steelers, a, a, a ton of trepidation. I mean, they, their organization has been run very well by a Hall of Fame GM for years, right? So where you know what you're getting, you know what the product is, you know the product. So there was a level of trepidation there. So I'm not surprised that it's Omar Khan. So Omar Khan is rewarding their investment into him. 
on the side of staff and everybody who works for the Steelers, there was a level of trepidation as well because you don't know mm -hmm. who this next guy is going to be. Fair. So when you bring in Khan, I'll guarantee you that the people who work for the Steelers, unless they don't like Khan, there was a deep breath, a sigh of relief. Our guy is staying. We're comfortable. We can continue to do what we've been doing. There's going to be some change, but it's not going to be drastic. We're going to get this and continue to have this ball rolling. So I think the hire is great in the sense that, of course, he's going to have some new ideas, and we'll talk about that. But it also stabilized. It's a stabilizing thing for the people who work under him, and it's a stabilizing thing for the people above him because GMs have to manage up and down. And by hiring Khan, I think it allows them to do that effectively. Now, we talk about ideas. What do you think will be different? We've talked about the organizational structure, how it's different. Uh, you've got the GM, the assistant GM. You've got the director of pro scouting, director of college scouting. And we'll talk about uh, Brandon Hunt a little bit in this as well. What do you think are the new things? Not necessarily drastic departures from what's going on now, but what do you think are some of the new things that Omar Khan may bring to this position that were different from Colbert. It's, it's so tough to say that where we're sitting. Um, I think there, there is an inherent value to a breath of fresh air. It forces you to get back to the one-on-one -on -one level and learn what you're doing again. If you have to, to repeat what you're doing at a basic level, you're going to find the questionable stuff. And with all due respect to Kevin Colbert, um, who I would say, if they put general managers in the Hall of Fame, I think he absolutely has has earned such a distinction. But he's been doing it for so long. Maybe there's a bunch of stuff that they do just for the sake of doing and don't know why anymore. That gives you a chance to iron out everything that you're doing. Um, I, my guess is, honestly, they're going to start with that. I don't know specifically uh, what they intend to change. What I know is this, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. If you look at the last 12 years of the Steelers, we see different epochs of how they are scouting and evaluating players, what types of players they're bringing in. They're distinctly different in, in a lot of, of respects. So I don't think that this is an organization that, despite Twitter's opinion, uh, that, that shies away and fails to embrace change, new ideas, things like that. But that in and of itself is cultural. And I think Khan is well-versed in that culture. And I think the continuity part of it is continuing to embrace change. They don't, regardless of what anybody says, this team has not played a 3-4 defense in several years, okay? Cam Hayward did not make all pro at two different positions playing a five-technique defensive end. He doesn't play that position. He is essentially a defensive tackle. They put him outside and he dominates there as well because he's really good. Point is, you you don't it, they have evolved, they have changed significantly over time. They will continue to do that. I, I trust that part of what Rooney wants is to keep that continuity in place. Now that that's not talking about stagnation. It, it's just about being open to look at different ideas, different concepts based on all of the input that you're paying in this case a lot of money to a lot of people to have those expert level opinions and drive the, the, the production of that, the completion of that. That's what a general manager really does. And everything I have heard about and what I know of Kevin Colbert, that's the kind of manager that he was. He's not the one coming up with the idea to do everything. Other people submit their input. They put it together. They try to find something that works the best for what they all collectively think is the best way to go. And they enact it. I think Khan will, will stick with that. Um, it, I don't think it makes a difference uh, it, as far as specifically what his background is on the tight end that they evaluate. But it's not a coincidence. They brought in an assistant general manager to handle the football function, a highly successful one, too, I might add. Andy, Andy Weidel is, is a, a well-regarded personnel guy. He will do well in that role. Khan will do well 
not because it, it's Rooney's mandate that Khan doesn't interfere, but because they hired Weidel to do a job. Let him go do the job. Empower him to be able to do that. I think that sort of mentality is, I don't think that's a change per se, but it embraces change. And we don't know what's going to happen with that next. That's going to be interesting. I think there are, and like Corey is making some incredible points in the chat, and you guys should read them, that I think Corey is right. I think a lot of what you'll see in terms of impact will probably be next year um, as White and White settle into their roles. And I think this quote unquote change that we're talking about, a lot of them, a lot of it may come from that direction as well. Because, you know, the one thing that's going to be different with, you know, assistant GM on the football side and a, and a new director of pro scouting is that you're going to have different eyes on players. And that I think is where you'll see some of that change. But the change to Khan is going to facilitate change because just it's a different leader. So you're going to get change there. We're not going to necessarily know how much, and it's going to be hard to discern. And also we'll probably see more of it next year because this will be the first draft of this new organization, this, this structure of these people here. Let's, let's turn real quick to Brandon Hunt. And it's being reported that Brandon Hunt is going to join the Eagles front office. Let me ask real quick. And of course we don't know. So we're going to be speculating here. Why not Brandon Hunt? I mean, we kind of thought, you know, that Brandon Hunt kind of dotted all the I's, the scouting background, so on and so forth. You know, why not Brandon Hunt? What would you speculate on as to why, you know, Brandon Hunt, uh, I'm not going to say fell out of favor, or I'm just going to say why Brandon Hunt wasn't selected as uh, the GM. Because it appeared from the outside looking in, he checked all the boxes. One, why are we so 100% convinced the Steelers did not give Brandon Hunt the job rather than Brandon Hunt saying, I just got passed over for a general manager job and I don't want to work here anymore. I don't mean that negatively, but for example, you remember Ray Horton, Steelers defensive back coach? Or no, not Ray Horton. Who am I? I'm thinking of the running backs coach. Um, the, the one who had the, the injury in the fire right before the playoff game. Somebody help me out. What was his name? I forget. He was up for the Steelers offensive coordinator job that went to Todd Haley. He didn't get the job. He took the same job in Minnesota under Brad Childress, I think, at that time. That's not the Steelers hated him so much from his offensive coordinator interview that they let him walk. It's more Kirby Wilson. Yes, that's it. Uh, it Kirby Wilson was a highly regarded uh, coach. And I don't think the Steelers didn't want to keep him. It's just that they decided they were going to hire somebody else for a job that he was up for. And he decided to, to go to a different organization, get out of the way of the guy they just brought in who might not, you know, see eye to eye with the kind of coaching that he wants to do. Um, I don't know anything specifically about Brandon Hunt's situation. What I know, though, is this. Eagles have had a lot of experience or a lot of interest in Hunt in the past. Uh, they, I believe they interviewed for him um, when, when Howie Roseman got hired. Um, it, what else was there? It, it's really, he's trading out the title that he has now. It really, they, they traded Weidel and a promotion for Hunt and a promotion. They both got promoted out of it. Hunt is in a better position than he was with Pittsburgh, just like Weidel is in a better position with the Steelers than he was in Philadelphia. Weidel is from Pittsburgh, so there's there's a natural draw to that as well, plus the assistant GM title, um, continuity as far as the, the organization itself. It's an attractive position. Hunt views something more beneficial for his career happening in Philadelphia, uh, perhaps with that title. At, at the same time, though, it very well could be they didn't like Hunt anymore. I, I don't know. I can't speak to that specifically, yeah. but what I'm saying is we don't know that for sure. Don't automatically assume that they don't like Hunt. Very well could be Hunt didn't get the job. Hunt wants to go somewhere else now because yeah, he's not going to work yeah. for Omar Khan. They might not see eye to eye. Maybe they're best friends, but they know that they couldn't work in that capacity together. Hunt gets an opportunity. Hunt gets a raise. He, he moves on. He's been with Pittsburgh for a long time. He didn't get the GM job. Maybe he feels it's best for him in his career 
to, to start working with somebody else now. Nothing wrong with that at all. It happens all the time. And I just, I'm, I'm tired of people acting as if Brandon Hunt is, is bitter about it or the team hated him. The fact is we don't know. We don't know either way, but either one of those possibilities could be uh, what, what ended up happening here. And it could be a combination of all of that. If you think about it like this, if, if I had a colleague and our boss quit, and it was up to me and my colleague. It, it was between me and my colleague to get that job. My colleague gets it. I, you know, congratulations. I wish him the best. Maybe I don't want to be there anymore, though. Maybe I don't want to stay in the same role that I was in under a new boss. It's not the direction I want to go with my life. There's nothing personal with that. Yeah, it, it's just like Corey said again. You know, two dogs, one bone. One of the dogs likely has to go, and it's probably. And a lot no, of times, it's not like that. That's, that's my no, point. No, one no, one, no, no, no. What have to go? It, it's, no, what it's, I'm saying is, getting rid of him. It could be his decision to move. We don't know. No, what I'm saying is, a lot of times in corporate America, from my experience, is when you have two people competing for a a senior executive position, typically, and one person doesn't get it, it just you know naturally, you know, the person just leaves. The person that didn't get it, who was yeah. the finalist, they they just naturally leave from the perspective of what else is there for me to do here? I was trying to get this position. This is where I wanted to go. Yep. Since I can't since I'm not going to get it, I'm going to look for a similar opportunity somewhere else because this is what I want to do. They put the sweat equity into trying to get that position. So once they don't get it, there's a little disappointment there even if the organization likes you um, and then you just kind of gradually move on. It's not, it's typically not a case of the organization doesn't like you. They just like someone else. Yeah. In I, this I, case, I guess, it was gone. I, I guess all I'm disagreeing with is, is the category categorization of it being two dogs, one bone, someone's got to go. I, that that's like, you get the job or you're fired. That, that's not what happened here. It's not a consequential decision at the very least we don't know that that's what happened i it seems far more reasonable to me that hunt just wanted to move on and i i don't think that um that's a bad thing certainly not for hunt um steelers wanted to bring in somebody else maybe they even knew hunt said if i don't get this i'm gonna go pursue other options so they hired weidel when they had the chance to do it because they weren't gonna hire hunt so there's a bunch of different things this could be i i don't want to make it out to be like this is punitive or this was, you know, Hunger Games or something like that. He just, he is a well-respected, well-qualified no, was, guy. And Howie Rosen is one of the best general managers in football. I, I would <laughs> totally see a bunch of people want to work. It, 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 it was Fight Club. It wasn't Hunger Games. It was, it was Fight Club. Let's switch reels. I, I think the Steelers did a fantastic job. It, I like the process. I think they took their time. Um they end up getting the guy that they absolutely wanted. Um, I don't think anyone is absolutely surprised that they 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 settled on Omar Khan. Um, and uh, circuitously, you know, he becomes the GM. You know, luckily, he didn't get taken or didn't get hired by Chicago and some other places. And uh, circuitously, you know, he finds his way back home and becomes the GM. So congratulations to him, everyone who was hired on the staff. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, where this goes. The Steelers are in a very interesting place. Um, I think they're, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Maybe we'll get to it in this show. Maybe not. The Steelers are treading right now. They're, they have a new organizational structure, new guys in the front office, new quarterback post Ben. This is a very interesting time uh, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's a time where fans really need to pay attention because I think in the next couple of years, It'll define the direction of this organization for quite some time. They've taken the franchise quarterback. They got the new GM. They still have the coach intact. This is a, a, a transition period for Steeler fans, and it really hasn't been one for about 20 years. So for me as a, as a podcaster, a fan, um, this is an exciting time. I really am excited to see uh, where the organization is going. So let's switch reels. Let's jump into – the Memorial Day mailbag really quickly. And, and big up to everybody out there celebrating Memorial Day. Uh, please be safe out there. Uh, and let's jump into a couple of questions from, from Mel Daniels. Big up to Mel. 
Will the Steelers finish top 16, top half of the league in rushing? And by the way, I read a comical article uh, on The Athletic about the pause size of Najee Harris's legs. I thought that was like the funniest thing I've ever read in an article. Mel's question, top 16 in the league in rushing, true or false? What stat are we using to measure that? Let's Team go. Yards, total yards, yards he didn't, per game. He didn't list so. total. Pick, pick your choice. Pick yards per carry. Pick total yards. Pick whichever one you want. Total rushing yards, all players. Top 16. Boy, that, that's that's the point we're at, huh? Um, yes. Yeah, I think they can. But I, I, I want to throw this out for caution. Running the ball is not efficient at all. Being highly successful running the ball when your quarterback isn't running much and you still aren't averaging better than four and a half yards a carry probably means your offense sucks. I think that's more likely. So them finishing top 16 in rushing, I don't even know if that would be a step forward or a step back. I, I don't think it matters. <laughs> it, it's, it's not generally important. You run the ball well in short yardage situations, your yards per carry goes down. You don't pick up a lot of yards, but that is far more important than the amount of yards you rush for in a game. So it, it's this is about efficiency. Um, I think... Also, uh, rushing yards, uh, cumulative rushing yards over a season is a volume stat. If they want to run for 150 yards a game, they could. If they handed the ball to Najee Harris 40 times, he's probably going to get 150 yards times. And they won't win. I think they plan to run the hell out of Najee Harris. I think they're going to run more jet sweeps. I think they're going to do more with more players running the ball. I don't know how effective it's going to be. But it ain't damn sure better finish top 16. I mean, <laughs> it's been bad enough. Um, with the amount of money that they put into their offensive line, with a completely different coaching staff, with the second year and a lot more film study for Najee um, and a, a, a full NFL offseason to prepare his body to get it to where it needs to go. Yeah, I think that I think Najee Harris, if you want to get into it, I think he's going to be a top five fantasy player. I think they will run the ball more effectively. I don't know if that's going to have an impact on their overall offensive effectiveness. If anything, I'd lean to know because none of this changes the fact that your quarterback sucks, which is <laughs> he might add 300 rushing yards. That doesn't make him a mobile quarterback. It just makes him a guy that, that can uh, uh, escape from the pocket and run forward. So looking... it, it, I think overall as a team, yeah, they'll be top 16. I don't know how good they're going to be. I'm looking at um... – Stats from last year, rushing yards per game, they averaged 91.1. So by just breathing, it'll be better than that. Yeah. That's when they, um, they sunk in. It's not, they're, they didn't even breathe. They sunk in millions of dollars into this. They're going to improve. It's just, they're a top five rushing team without a quarterback making splash plays, running. It, it, it's, that's the bottom line, Lance. We, we get into this a lot explosive plays are how you win in today's NFL. If the Steelers don't have the ability to create explosive plays, and to some degree, I'm a lot more open-minded about this than the real stats dorks are. To some degree, they need those splash plays in order to get their offense going, and I don't care whether that comes in the air or on the ground. But the reality is... Nothing we have seen of Najee Harris to this point suggests he is an explosive kind of running back. And we don't see anything from the veteran receivers on this staff to suggest that they're going to flourish with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback or Pickett for that. Maybe Pickett, maybe Pickett, but it takes some time with that. That's not going to happen on day one. You hope it does, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not convinced. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah, looking at looking at the stats here, I, I think in terms of number 16 last year, just basically in yards per game rushing uh, was New Orleans at 117 yards per game. That would be an increase of 27 yards rushing per game to get you in the top 16. Now, I'm not sure how many of those yards include quarterback scrambles. I don't think many. 
um, you know, probably some of Taysom Hill stuff whenever he played quarterback yeah. for them. But 117 yards rushing, I mean, that's not much to ask for. Of course, those cumulative stats I don't think are as important as yards per carry, um, which is the big thing. And in terms of yards per rushing attempt as team rankings has it set out, uh, number 16 with 4.3 yards per carry. The Steelers last year averaged 3.5, excuse me, 3.8 yards per carry. worse than the year before. So a fifth of a yard, so a half of a yard more to get you to four. They can do that. I, I think I, they can that, average. That's kinda, you, you get the 3.5 to four territory. You're going to see some good teams that are down at that level, and it's because they throw the ball so effectively they don't need to worry about it. But uh, Mean Joe Green says this all the time. There comes a point you need to line up and run the football. Right. So absolutely, if you're, if you're look at at, at uh, James Connor's resurgence, quote unquote, in Arizona, there's no difference between James Connor in Pittsburgh versus James Connor in Arizona, except for the fact that they blocked in short yardage situations. He scored touchdowns. That's the only difference. If Connor at his, at his best in Pittsburgh versus his season in Arizona last year, he didn't get to be a better running back. They just they they won short yardage. The Steelers lose every short yardage down. We know that, but that number itself at three point five might not be bad if a, a large chunk of the amount of time you run is in short yardage situations. They're not going to break off ten yards in that often anyway. They're going to get two, and that's going to be a successful carry. The efficiency of the Steelers' running game is atrocious. They are terrible. They have been terrible really since Le'Veon Bell or uh, Connor left Bell to some degree when he was an all pro in, in, in 2016, they haven't had rushing success. And I'm not talking about total yards gained. That's not necessarily indicative of that. Yeah. They don't I think, convert. I think where the Steelers running game is an incremental improvement will seem like a very big improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the, the incremental improvement will be the presence of a couple explosive plays. That's all right. they need. They just don't do, they don't make them. Because ironically, when you look at the yards per carry stat, a lot of teams are very close. I mean, Buffalo 4.8, yeah. Baltimore 4.8, Kansas City 4.7. It's fractions of yards. So, you know, there were only three teams, excuse me, four teams that averaged five yards a carry or more, which is absolutely ridiculous, which is which is great. But there was a bunch of teams let's, between. Let's go into that. Who are those four teams? And I will the tell four you teams why. that averaged were Cleveland, of course, because you got explosive plays. Power um, you, got in, you got Indianapolis explosive plays in the running game. Seattle and, and Philadelphia. Seattle, interesting. They got some run out of out of running backs last season. Geno Smith wasn't a, a big runner. I don't think Wilson ran a whole lot when when he was healthy when he was playing. Who was the fourth one? Philadelphia, Philadelphia running quarterback. So I, I, I my thought was going to be probably some combination of those four teams, but Jonathan Taylor, um, yes. Nick Chubb and Jalen Hurts. From there, I probably would have guessed Buffalo. Josh Allen runs for a good amount. Buffalo They're splash was play running quarterbacks. Those are the teams that get the five point five yards of carry and higher. Does that mean that you're a great running team or you have one guy that makes splash plays? Yeah, running is absolutely situational um, in the National Football League. It is ab- it's absolutely situational. You need to run. You need to be run. You need to run it when you want to run it. Short yardage and in the red zone. I mean, you need to be able to run it on third and two, third and three. If you're going to run the football to get another set of downs, and you need to be able to run it in the red zone to present multiple options to defenses. You have to have a another power. Yes. Another question from, from, from Mel. Uh, will Mason Rudolph finish the year as a Steeler or will he be traded um, even though there's one le- year left on his deal? Just basically, or will he be traded? So this, at the start of the season. The last year of his contract. I wouldn't say he has another year left. He, he's He's signed for this season. He's not signed beyond this season. So you think he is he is he a Steeler when the season starts? I I think he's going to get traded. Um, I I think that's the fair thing to do for Rudolph. Um, there'll be a market for 
you know, you're not going to get much for him, but somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to need a backup. That that's his utility in the NFL. Um, if you're super lucky, uh, like you were with Josh Dobbs, which I thought was crazy at the time. I thought it was a typo when I first saw they were getting a fifth for Dobbs. Um, <laughs> he said a typo. That's hilarious. We can we can get into to my whole theory on on fifth round draft picks. Why half the league treats them as toxic nowadays? But that's really what that was more than anything. Um, I don't think they'll get much for Rudolph considering what his salary is, but um, he has utility in the NFL as a backup quarterback. Uh, the Steelers just don't have a reason to carry that contract. This is all dependent upon uh, Pickett and his development, but I see Pickett as, as being capable of being a backup quarterback um, starting the season. I think that we've seen in the past, they'll cut the veteran backup over the younger, cheaper backup. Um, or the the pedigree backup in this case, for for this probably the sake of you know financial cost. I mean, there's really no reason to to keep Rudolph. And plus, you know, maybe it's a better situation for Rudolph. He's going to be the third string quarterback here. He probably knows that. Um, <clears throat> I think their plan all along, and this is before the untimely passing of Dwayne Haskins. I, I think their plan was to cut Haskins and trade Rudolph and draft one. I said that several times. They'll find a cheap third. They they don't need to pay. $4 million for a, a, a second, if not third yes. string quarterback. Yeah, someone who's never going to dress, you know, your, your third quarterback. Oh, there's is there's no point you know. in keeping him there. Real quick before we get out of here, Neil, you, are you hearing, what are you hearing about OTAs? You're hearing anything interesting coming out of the first week of OTAs? Legs, I, I, guys, I, like you mentioned. Yeah, I really did not try to pay attention to anything that was going on in AT OTAs. There were no reported injuries. That's, you know, the rest of it is is nice. It can be kind of fun. It's it's good to see guys getting out there and everything. But uh, nothing, you know, nothing mouthwatering. It, it's not a significant time of the year. You, you hope the guys are healthy. You hope they're they're getting out there. I mean, if we want to get into, I think we my were new right. favorite player Deontay Johnson. We can, but I, I think we were right on a couple of things. I think we were right that Deontay was not going to show up along with OTAs and his his Deontay Johnson football camp. Uh, when you told me about that, I thought that was despicable. I want to ask a question about that before we before I make before I before I make my next point. Two, it did not show up, but I no. think Dulock and um a couple other people, um I know Jim Wexel talked about it. I think a few people uh talked about Cam um Hayward saying he felt confident that Tuit was going to was going to play this year so I, I don't know how much I read into that I'm just assuming that if anyone is in contact with him it may know more than someone else it's probably his defensive line mate I don't know how happy Steeler fans should be by that news I think Steeler fans should take it with a grain of salt when we see him we see him um but yeah I think the big thing is you know no injuries no injuries coming out of OTAs um, let me ask you real quick about the uh, Deontay Johnson thing. And, you know, and Corey is talking about, I heard it was a missed flight. Whether it was a missed flight or not, you've got to get there early. Let me ask you, does anything like that, because I know you made a point about his leadership ability and the Steelers, in terms of the long-term contract and having younger players in your wide receiver room, the importance of him being a leader. Um, does any of this, uh, I shouldn't say impact, because I think the Steelers' decision to sign him long-term will be you know, more of a football decision, but does this play into anything? Are the Steelers paying attention to uh, you know, him missing his camp and how it was done? Does, does this impact anything? Does it help? Does it hurt? What's your thoughts? I don't think... When you're talking about let let's talk market contract for a wide receiver. Right now you're talking 20, 23 million APY for a, a, a veteran receiver. Um, they all want at least that, and many of them are nowhere close to that, and they're all kind of rebelling. Deontay Johnson seems to be positioning himself uh to 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 fight for that market. Um I think it's I think it's funny that he thinks he's going to get that because there's no way. Um, 
not no I mean, just no uh he is worth a lot of money for sure uh i i would not consider him to be a top of market player by any stretch um whether he attended his for pay football camp or not for whatever reason i don't think that enters into the the bigger picture of 20 million dollars a year over 5 years I do think it doesn't instill one with good business faith in a guy. What I would think is it's it's pretty immature. And yes, I'll yell, get off my lawn at the same time. That's immature. Um, for the life of me, maybe, I don't know, Lance, maybe I'm just crazy like this. If I have something out of town to do on Monday, I'm showing up like Friday. I'm not planning on flying out there on Monday. That's ridiculous. Of course you of course you missed it because you missed a flight. That happens. You need to give yourself some some breathing room here. There are kids. Their parents are paying 150 bucks to go to your stupid ass football camp. What are you really doing with them? You're running them through drills. You're showing up and spending time with them. That's what they're they're paying for. That and a t-shirt. Okay. That's all they're getting out of it. You're not you're not going through much. Plus they're like eight years old. What do they know? It's the experience. You deprive them of that because you don't have your shit together. Okay. Old baseball coach that I had called it HSP horse shit preparation. That's stuck with me throughout my entire life. I don't like people like that. I don't trust people like that. And yeah, there's a direct connection between those people and 24 year olds that they just don't have a professional maturity and that to me that I don't like that. I don't want to have to go into contract negotiation with somebody that can't take care of their own affairs in an, in an easy way. That said, it's a mistake. He's not being paid big time money yet. Um, he wants to be paid that. and I don't blame him. He should. There, there's a middle ground in all of this. I would be annoyed if I was Omar Khan, but it can't factor too heavily into it yet. Him not going to OTAs, you can't formally be upset about that. I don't think it's the move he should make because really you don't have any other excuse other than looking like a petulant child because he's at the back end of this whole thing. Deontay Johnson has not been that good of a player. It's a good player to to, to whine and argue about his contract right now. The only contract he's going to get from the Steelers is a very team-friendly deal. That's the only thing they'd offer him. Five years, 50 million, something like that, maybe. They're not yeah. in a position to, to negotiate. There's no, he doesn't have any leverage. They've got a, a, a very, very team friendly one year deal right now. And then the tag, those two years together doesn't even come close to equaling market value for a receiver. They, there's no reason for them to, to negotiate with him. If they do, they're interested in him and they should be, but they're not giving him market value right now. There's no way, I, especially if he's not going to show up to OTAs which again, they can't formally hold that against him, but they need leaders. You know, do, do you want to show up and be a leader? Do you want to, to make up ground? Do you want to make up extra credit? Are you that kind of guy? That's the one that they want to pay. That's the one that they want to keep. If he's not like that, that's, that's fine. Cause he's going to get his payday. Somebody's going to pay him. You know, I you think know? we're young players. Somebody's going to pay him. I think we're young players and professionals miss out is perception is everything. Although yeah. it's not mandatory, it it would have it would have it the the perception is if you show up, it can't be it. If you show up, you stop people from creating their own perceptions as to why yes. you did. It, it's 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 preventative, right? It's 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 pre preventative medicine. It's taking vitamins plus you're not, plus you're not every doing day, you're yeah, not and you're not that. doing much. So. You better be working out 10 times harder on your own than you are at OTAs. So don't give me injury risk either. That's a, that's a crock of shit. Can we take a second to highlight Steeler Freak's comment, please? I'd love for you to point me out the one time Antonio Brown had an open contract dispute with the team and wasn't showing up to stuff because of it. You're not going to find that. He showed up. None of them go to all of it. Okay, they have other stuff going on. It's their off season. It's voluntary. Antonio Brown made himself available to work for this team. There is nobody, in my opinion, I will argue anybody to the death over this. 
there is no player in NFL history who had a bigger contract gripe than Antonio Brown did from 2014 through 2016. And he showed up to everything. Don't even try to associate whatever Johnson's doing with, with the perception that Antonio Brown was a malcontent. He wasn't. He wasn't. He also signed the most team-friendly deal in, in, in NFL history. Yeah, the first day. They had him over the barrel, okay? they And then they didn't pay him for three years. He's by far and away the most prolific player at his position for three years, and he had a garbage contract that they didn't negotiate, okay? He had more reason to not show up to these things as any player ever, and he showed up to them. Don't even try to make that equation. That That's, that's garbage. The other thing with Deontay Johnson and not showing up for camp is – you don't know how much that factors in to the Steelers thinking. So again, it's preventative. Show up, show up, show that you're being professional. So that's just one thing that they don't have over you when you're in a contract negotiation. It's just being professional, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. And it's almost a thing that, like in corporate America, there's a saying, you know, it can go wrong, but you don't want to re- want to be the reason that it does. Just don't be the reason, you know, do your job, be professional, dot the I's and cross the T's. But we're going to get out of here. There were some other things that we want to talk about. We, we might talk about, jump into it next week. Um, we've renamed Sexy Tanking, but we want to get your thoughts on it. And we'll talk about that next week. And we'll talk about the new name of Sexy Tanking versus Tanking. And as a fan, um, what would you want? There was also a question that I heard, and I want to get your perspective on it. And I heard it from Brandon Staley, and I'm going to tease it for next week. And Brandon Staley, of course, uh, the the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, he said something. He said, doing what you have to do uh, versus what you want to do, and the scheme conflicts there, and that and that's what coaching is: is doing what you have to do versus doing what you want to do, and how that impacts uh, your football team moving forward. You sound that like you want to say the something. The guy that goes for it on fourth down like sixty-eight percent of the time is is funny. I like that. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, that's absolutely hilarious. Um, really, but really yeah. he's a sharp guy. He's gonna win. Just watch out for that team this year. He they're, he they're is the uh, Vic Fangio uh, 2.0, so to speak, the Vic Fangio uh, <laughs> Windows 11 version of Vic, you know, and, and Fangio being the Windows 10 version. Um, real quick, let me jump into this question before we get out of here. Dave had a quick quick question. Dave, you um, do the Steelers get draft picks from Hunt leaving to Philly? Um, I, where I sit right now without it in front of me, I don't think so because he's being named an assistant GM. I think he needs to be named a, a general manager for that. Wasn't that a new, um, wasn't that a part of, I, I'm trying to think was that part of the Rooney rule or something like a compensation? It, it's, or... Yes. If you want to put it under that umbrella, you can. Uh, but yes, the front office, it, it's no different than with the coaches front okay. office, executive yeah. minority front office executives being hired from one team to another, the team that he's leaving gets compensation for that. Okay. Yeah. So Dave, really quickly diving into Antonio Brown's quote unquote in-house antics. And that's why his contract wasn't as lucrative. They gave him an, they gave him an extension with like a thousand percent raise after two years. Yeah. That's the contract they gave him. You think that's because of his in-house antics? You don't know shit. Just stop. I'm so tired of this. And I have Everywhere you go, it just the, the the form-filling nature of why everybody hates Antonio Brown now it is so far removed from, from what actually happened, okay? Well, we don't really like him, but we think he's going to be a, a six-time all-pro player, so let's grossly overpay him two years into his career because we know he's an asshole. That makes sense. Right on the nose. I, I I always thought Antonio was hilarious for throwing those particular gummy bears in the street. I thought that was pretty hilarious. 
<laughs> particular gummy bears and Corey no, I'm Andrews. not saying the guy did right. I'm not saying that there isn't a reason why he's out of Pittsburgh and most of that is on him. I'm just saying that the guy did far more than he's being given credit for because they don't like the fact he didn't honor God, team, and country on his way out. But look at what happened, okay? Ben threw up 10 times as much fuss about his contract than Antonio Brown did, and Brown had far more reason to do it. Brown didn't. Never missed a training camp. Only times he missed anything is when he was hurt, up until the very end, and then shit just went nuts and yeah it was i don't know i'd argue they got more run out of him than any other team would have and the dude is a, a hall of fame level player so if that's the way it had to go down then then it did but the, the i think the guy performed pretty well in his time here even if you don't like the fact that that he drives fast sometimes yeah definitely a hall of fame player let's get out of here thank you everybody for hopping onto the program thank you everybody in the live chat, Corey Hatcher, man, you were an absolute MVP this week. Thank you, Mel, for the mailbag questions. We got a couple of topics that we're going to tease for next week about treading versus tanking. And if you hear treading anywhere else, they took it from us. And this whole Brandon Staley. <laughs> Nobody question. else is talking about this. <laughs> no, but, hey, man, I, I, I am yelling copyright on everything. Forget it. If I say it once, it's mine forever. <laughs> <laughs> you're a blogger now I, i'm an ab i'm the ab of podcasters it's mine <laughs> anyway but let's get out of here and as always tune in tell a friend and subscribe and and big up to liverpool uh this week uh or today in the uefa champions league final i'm not a liverpool fan but uh my brother-in-law gordon is so big up to liverpool i'm a man city fan premier league champions um again so no hate or shade to Liverpool. Hopefully they do well today. But we're going to get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.